Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson and I'm the founder of Stack, the service that searches out the best independent magazines and delivers them to thousands of readers around the world every month. This week, I'm speaking to Peter McCain, creative director and editor-in-chief of Batshit Times, the New York-based satire and arts magazine that released its first issue as a digital edition in April last year and followed that up with a printed magazine for issue two earlier this year. That first issue was themed quarantine, and when I read it, I assumed the whole project was conceived in response to the pandemic. But as Peter explains in this conversation, he'd been wanting to make a magazine long before COVID shut everything down. And while the restrictions we've all lived with have been a major inspiration for him, there's lots of other stuff that he's now much more worried about. I think you can hopefully tell from this conversation that Batshit Times is a particularly strange and compelling magazine, and I'm very pleased to say we have copies of Issue 2 available to buy in the Stack Shop now. So go search for that at stackmagazines.com forward slash shop to see it for yourself. And remember that as a listener to this podcast, you get 10% off all our magazines and subscriptions when you use the code podcast at checkout. But first, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Peter McCain from Batshit Times. Hey, Peter, thank you so much for making time to talk. Uh, nice to meet you. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. So Batshit Times was one of the first magazines that I saw which was responding specifically to covid and to the whole weird situation that we were just going into at that point. Like, could you sort of like take me back to like that beginning point and and tell me a little bit about what made you decide to do this in the first place? Yeah, I've been wanting to make a magazine for about two, three years. Um, And it had always been the intention to make a fashion magazine. Mm hmm. Um, you know, you walk into the cool magazine stores in New York and there's a thousand cool fashion magazines and you feel, oh, I want to be a part of this. Um, and I had come up with the name like over a year, I think like early 2019. Really? I was sitting at a bar. Yeah. And I'd been deliberating names for a while and then it popped into my head and I thought, oh, well, someone has to do this. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's a pun it's a pun on like new york times and chicago times and all the rest and it's also very indicative of just i guess the past five years that we've experienced um i mean i i the whole trump presidency was just a really radical era um before that i thought brexit was also kind of Mm mind-blowing so i feel like we've been uh acclimating into bad shit times for a while now yeah totally and yeah and when the pandemic hit and very suddenly i as a freelance artist who had no work and i saw all my other freelance friends um exploring how the covid situation could be just like this radical time for art and for creating things and disrupting things Mm. and i thought oh okay time to make this magazine and 
I was very naive. I thought I could do it in about four weeks. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> so I messaged a bunch of people like, hey, I'm going to publish this next month, which I actually did. Um, the first issue had like 50 contributors. It was all uh, digital. I taught myself InDesign in that month. Uh, I really did not know anything about magazine layout design. Mm-hmm. So I kind of mm-hmm. just slapped things in there. Yeah. And it wasn't until I began working on the second one to be printed that I realized, oh, I need to start over with my design approach because <laughs> this just looks hectic. It took, um, took a fresh approach. There, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I want to like come back to on this because the so so first of all, you say that you the name came to you in like early two thousand nineteen. But so that first issue, which you, you first published as a, a digital, um, like an online magazine, one of the things that I thought was really clever, right, particularly clever, was um, where you sort of you made a, a bit of a play uh, in the early part of the magazine talking about how, you know, this is batshit times and COVID-19, you know, this disease seems to have come from batshit and uh, and I was like, oh, that's that's great. They're like someone's quote something specifically for like this virus, but it turns out that name was in existence before COVID even happened. Right. Yeah. Um, one thing I definitely want to pursue with the magazine is like combining various ideas to tell a bigger story. Mm-hmm. And I've always really just been, I think, strong at creating funny, witty metaphors. Um, and once I realized that Batshit Times was also a reference to coronavirus, I was like, ha ah, ha ha, great. <laughs> I like, patted myself on the back. Like, Good job, Peter. You knew, you knew what to do. Okay, the name was there in the first place, and you'd been wanting to make a magazine for a long time, but it was going to be a fashion magazine. So then, like, what sort of remit did you give yourself when making this? Because it also struck me that this magazine is really quite different to a lot of the other, you know, like publishing that's responded to COVID. Um, I would say it's considerably stranger than a lot of those magazines. Um, well, that, that has to do with having strange friends. Um, <laughs> I realized I couldn't pursue a fashion magazine um, because I don't, I'm not as tapped into the fashion community. Um, uh, but I am much more tapped into just like the weird and eerie art circles. Um, You know, for example, I think hands down the coolest submission or collaboration in either of the two issues thus far is with this biomaterial artist, Sasha Fishman, who is turning hagfish slime into bioplastics. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a great like two, three hour conversation about it. And she kind of changed my life. Just like the way she presented all these new ideas to me. And uh, she's just someone I met at a party like four years ago. We hadn't kept in touch or anything. But when it came time to make the magazine, I thought, oh, this girl, I hear she's doing cool things that I should hit her up. And, you know, one thing led to another and now there's like 10 pages of the magazine that are just baked in this hagfish slime uh, (laughs) imagery and going back to like creating um, 
ideas across various stories you know at this point in the magazine we have like a big section on like that early isolation phase of like march and april when everyone in their 20s was just super horny so it was a lot of submissions uh that were pornographic in nature um about like you know sexual acts and then you turn the page and then it's just this spread of this girl holding hagfish slime in her hands and you you know it looks like you know something else so (laughs) i always thought okay how do we keep exploring um cool things like this how can we create how can we take two separately weird things and combine them to create an even weirder thing yeah yeah and I think the magazine as a whole just is very happy to kind of take a sort of oblique approach to, well, I mean, it was quarantine in the first issue, but you sort of, it's like you come at the subject from interesting new angles by just allowing yourself to wander around it. Right, exactly. And, you know, bleak is definitely the word. Um, I, I feel like I can speak for my entire generation right now. The past year has just been very eye-opening um just the political situations of the world um how our governments will consistently fail us how our communities uh, will consistently fail us like uh, so you know it's a lighthearted magazine i it's fun and there's a lot of jokes and i try to approach it as a comedic thing with a lot of you know twisted dark humor but there is the underlying frustration you know mm-hmm. the frustration that yeah, you know, we're in this pandemic for so long because of a lot of, like, mishandling of the situation and and other political quagmires that have happened in the past year. Like, you know, anyone who was part of the Black Lives Matter protests and was consistently tear gassed or pepper sprayed, you know, how are we supposed to hold on to any hope for the future? Um, so that's, you know, something I really want to explore with this magazine is... Um, specifically how, you know, we are living in batshit times. We're living in very anxious times. You could call it dystopic if you wanted. It's it's pretty fun to, like, role-play those scenarios, right? And, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of, like, new, terrifying, dark aspects of society. We have algorithms that control our lives, we have climate change, we have Amazon, we have censorship and surveillance. And, uh, you know, sometimes your heart race is just thinking about all these things at once. Mm, mm, um, mm. So it's, it's fun to find art and find activism uh, that is responding to these things in very clever, genius ways. Mm. You know, like whether it's a vaporwave musician who's mocking like mall consumer culture, like shopping mall consumer culture, um, or a good friend of mine who I interviewed for the recent issue who basically takes the waveforms of her orgasms and she turns that into music mm. and that. You know, she's responding to the censorship of Instagram and the censorship of um, social media platforms that say, oh, this is disgusting. Don't don't share this with the world. 
you know, think of the children <laughs> kind of stuff. And, you know, it's just fun to have conversations with, with people my age who are all like, yeah, yeah, remember when our education systems told us that we were going to, like, land awesome jobs right out of college? All we had to do was work, 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 work really hard, and then life would be good for us. And then we got here, we all graduated college, and suddenly we were thrown into a pandemic, and our governments left us out to dry, so... So and so, this, this this is why the the second issue, the one just come out, is themed uh, melting points, uh, because it it's, it feels like this is kind of now the evolution. So the so you started out focusing on quarantine and these extraordinary circumstances that we were living in, but now you're following up on that with, I guess, a, a look at all of the all of these things that you're talking about having to deal with now. Yeah. You know, the COVID pandemic was eye-opening in many ways, but if people think that COVID or perhaps Trump are the two biggest threats to our societies, and then once we get past them, everything will be fine. I mean, those people are completely naive. Hmm. And, you know, for the longest time, I was one of those people. And it wasn't until I finally had a year to read and research and you know dive into all kinds of interesting parts of the internet that i started to discover oh the fascism is not trump the fascism is you know this past these past four years that we were under trump we collectively subscribed to amazon prime Hmm. we fed social media algorithms our data and we uploaded our entire lives to government and corporate owned satellites and you know, going forward, and something something I knew going into even the first issue is that I didn't necessarily want the magazine to be about COVID or about Trump. Um, while both of those things were like really interesting um, topics to cover, I I don't think they're the best examples of the bash at times in which we live. I think they're much worse things um you know it really is a riff on the new normal or the new abnormal um and we have a lot of really interesting artists thinking about how you know things you know normal is just a made-up word um things are just going to be weird for the rest of our lives and then you have like someone like james bridal who published a book recently called The New Dark Age, and he has um, just like this amazing concept called The New Aesthetic, which is all about how technology is so uh, so embedded into our lives that we can't escape it, and it's kind of scary. Uh, you know, there's crazy YouTube algorithms that just play videos over and over for children for toddlers who are holding ipads in their hands and these kids are just watching you know finger popping videos over and over and over for six hours a day and then somewhere in there slips in you know someone being decapitated hmm. and this is just a weird new reality we live in due to the internet and due to uh, the shift in identity that came with smartphones and computers and it's really cool to like 
think about these things a lot and <laughs> find out that other people are having conversations about it too and to like embark together on this interesting quest of developing like this new artist infrastructure and these artist communities that are exploring the state and exploring um, each other and exploring the reality of new confungled forms of identity and uh, also just how our, our environment is collapsing and how we should probably stop reproducing and stuff like that. So, okay, so so seen in, in this context then, <clears throat> Trump and quarantine actually are kind of distractions from all of these other things that are just happening all the time right in front of us and we're, we're not paying it any attention. I wonder, like, does that somehow tie in with there's a kind of you, you talked about like the sexiness in the the first issue and I'd, I'd say that in the second issue there's maybe not so much sexiness but there's lots of corporeality there's there's a kind of there's a sort of a grotesque to a, a lot of the uh, of the art that's in there is this kind of um is this a, a conscious decision to to show this uh maybe slightly horrifying reality at times or is this just the, again it's just a re result of the, the kind of weird artists that you know yes that's definitely the goal is exploring the grotesque um you know there's all kinds of magazines that explore sex in like very sexy ways and i'm much more interested in the really strange ways um, of exploring basically everything, especially like you're saying, corporeality, like the body. You know, we have a great submission um, that is on performance art for yourself in the bathroom. Hmm. No one else can see it. It's just for you. And it's in this very private, intimate space uh, that also happens to be a space where you are constantly judging yourself, constantly examining your flaws and your features. And uh, I think that's something that we've all been able to identify with the past year is just like really getting a new look at ourselves, getting a new look at at what we subscribe to and what we believe and what we trust. Mm, yeah, yeah. So the as you said before, the first issue came out and it was a, a digital um, download, I, I guess, just because that was the easiest way to put it out in the world. Was it always the aim that you would print the magazine? Yes, I, I definitely, you know, I think everyone who prints a magazine ends up having a few regrets with how you end up launching hmm. the magazine. Um, I definitely had always envisioned the very first issue would be a print magazine. It'd be this fun launch party. <laughs> There'd be bookstores where you could get it. Uh, but I decided, oh, well, we're living in this crazy liberating moment in which everyone is suddenly online. So the best way to spread the news about the magazine is to just make it available online, which did work. And I got some really interesting responses from that. Do I wish I had charged people instead of having it? For free yeah maybe um that would have helped further down the line but uh, i always thought that would just be a fun idea because a lot of other friends especially comedians 
here in New York were creating small scenes, like maybe just 20 page scenes that were just full of funny jokes. Hmm. Um, and I thought, oh, well, I'll just participate in the same thing. You know, this is back in the same era when everyone was having their birthday parties on Zoom and we enjoyed it. You know, we were all live streaming on Instagram for fun, yeah. which, you know, looking back is kind of cringy. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I took the magazine digitally first. And then, of course, I, you know, this was April. And I thought, oh, by the time like October comes around, everything will be open again. Yeah. And I can print the magazine and have a fun launch party. And la di da di da, it will be a happy, happy, fun time for the magazine. And then, of course, the autumn came around, and we were still down in the depths of despair of a pandemic. So I went ahead and um, completely redesigned the magazine like three times because I had gone to some local magazine stores, picked up some recent mags, and realized, okay, if I want to be taken serious, I need to take myself more serious with how I um, design the magazine. And I got some good advice from um, a few different magazine publishers. I met up with Jacob Barnes, who published Soft Punk, which mm -hmm. is a magazine mm -hmm. I really enjoy. And he gave me a lot of good advice. So, yeah, I went with his printer, which is Copa out of Lithuania. Mm -hmm. And they were really awesome. And, yeah, printed 500 magazines, which I hear is a small run, um, which is kind of <laughs> kind of mind-blowing i decided to have them a little smaller a little more handheld instead of like your big letter size magazine which you know when you go to a store and you pick that thing up you're just like how am i going to carry this home <laughs> so i always thought like a you know a book size would be more fun yeah, yeah. um and you know all my friends who bought the magazine they sh it showed up in the mail and they're like whoa man this is way cooler than we thought it'd be. We thought this would just be a rinky-dink little zine that was stapled together. Yeah, yeah. It was like, no, no. I decided to throw away all of my unemployment insurance into a nice, beautiful magazine. You made an actual magazine. But so, and so then, like, because obviously the first one was available for free online. And I think, you know, I can totally see why you do that. I think it's actually really difficult to persuade people to pay money for like a, a digital download of something um but now like you know the, you've gone the other way around with this one so you've got the real print magazine out in the world do you think you'll have a digital download of this or is this just going to stay in print um there is a digital download oh it's there already it's okay dollars i think maybe 10 people have got the digital <laughs> download and then i think like three of those ended up buying the Right, right, right. Okay, so I, I I missed the I missed it when you said it. How how much uh, is the digital download? Digital's fifteen. Uh, maybe that price will drop. Uh, you know, it's always just there for. Um, I'd always had a fifteen dollar idea in mind because you know that's just fifteen dollars straight to me. Of course, I do give, I should mention, I give 20% of proceeds to two different charities. I give 10% to the Climate Justice Alliance and another 10% to the Indigenous Environmental Network. And both of these organizations working with climate change, which um, I think is a theme that is subtly hinted at throughout both magazines. 
mm. is that okay this is the big bad mm. and i mm. i've been wanting to kind of hint at that throughout these first two issues because eventually i do see batshit times becoming a lot more focused on environmental design and biomaterials and building a better world for the future and exploring new forms of agriculture mm. Mm-hmm. So, so okay, th- this is an interesting way to, to sum things up then. So you're, you're looking to the future already. I guess you've ended up with something which is, you know, a, a magazine which is released on a kind of like an annual uh, like sort of cycle. Is that what you see uh, as sort of like, you know, the, the future for the magazine? Or do you think you'll end up changing things up again? Uh, yeah, I think eight to 12 months will probably be the regular rollout. I am in this weird spot right now where I feel like the next issue will come out when it's freezing cold here in New York, um, which we find is when people don't necessarily want to go out and buy a magazine. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to enjoy my summer and not sit in front of a computer like I did last summer. Um, the next issue... Yeah, we'll probably be late this year. The I already have a theme in mind. It's the fall of Rome, which okay. is just this fun idea that I see a lot of theorists exploring lately, and I think it's a fun role-playing idea. Um, how is Western civilization on the out? How, what do we do when we start to see the ruins pop up before our eyes? You know, are we going to go out with one final canal if you want to think of it that way or uh, is it going to be like a, a weird whisper mm. Uh, mm. I think it's fun to explore that I don't necessarily want it to be I'm not asking for submissions that are a lot of like dystopic William Gibson type stuff you know I'm, I'm looking for something that's more grounded and you know what I was elaborating on with algorithms and shipping facilities and climate change and capitalism, things that are real and raw and happening right before our eyes. Mm, mm, mm. Well, look, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you make of all of that. Um, So thank you again for uh, talking about this one and good luck putting that together. Thank you very much. You'll have a good day. Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Peter for speaking with me. Uh, I love the way he's letting the magazine change and evolve as he goes. And I think that third issue on the fall of Rome sounds totally fascinating and kind of terrifying. Uh, While we're waiting for that one to come out, you can, of course, pick up a copy of issue two in the stack shop. And remember, you save 10% using the code podcast. If you've enjoyed this one, please do follow us wherever you get your podcasts so we can keep on delivering new episodes to you as soon as they're ready. We've got another American publisher lined up for next week, but this time from the West Coast. And as usual with Stack, he'll be speaking about something completely different based around the magazines he makes. Thank you very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with that new episode next week.